0: Hi, Lance Meikle, Founder and Managing Director of Generational, your pathway to wealth, health and leaving a legacy. You're listening to the Family Office with Lance Meikle podcast, the podcast for those that are seeking a way of living that is healthier, enables you to be wealthier and live your life whilst leaving behind a legacy. On this podcast, you're going to hear from people that understand the results of collaboration, synergies, wealth and freedom that only a family office can produce. Family offices are the only entity that unites families and implements intergenerational wealth transfer and purpose. And generational is the out in front leader to assist you. In the podcast, I'll make sure you have all the resources you need to move forward to having wealth, health, and leaving a legacy. So to get started, go to our website, genmfo.com, that's G E N M F O.com, where you'll find heaps of free insights. You can request a free e-guide to get answers to all of your questions, and while on the website, visit our YouTube channel and watch our videos. If you want to join our community and gain access to the patriarchs and matriarchs that we work with around the world, subscribe on our website and to my podcast show. In the short term, if you wish to get started straight away, contact me personally via LinkedIn so we can get started. Thanks for spending some time with me, listening to the episode of What Are the Benefits of a Family Office? Now, let's jump into your dose of practical family office information. My co-host today is Chloe Arthur, who made the change from being a financial planner in 2018 to being an advisor to family offices. Chloe is happily married to Shane, and they have two amazing daughters, Emily and Matilda. Hi, Chloe, and welcome to the Family Office with Lance Meekle podcast. It's a real privilege to be a co-host with you today. And I'd like to get started if we can by you telling our amazing audience a bit about yourself and how we met.
1: Sure. Um, thank you for having me, Lance. Um it's an absolute privilege to be here. Um so as you said, um my name's Chloe and um I did jump into the family office space a little over two years ago. Um I've got two really cool kids, Matilda and Emily, um seven and three. Uh and I think, they wow, we met.
0: Hopping.
1: Yeah, they keep you going, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they certainly yep. keep me on my toes. Yes. Um, <laughs> particularly, um, particularly Matilda, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, where, how we met. Um, gosh, we met back in 2005, 2006-ish, I think. Um, and we were both Junior Burger Um sort of apprentices if you like you in the financial planning space yeah and um and me working for an investment company that you were aligned with so um yeah that's that's how we met and it's been wonderful ever since
0: yeah and what's progressed from junior burger days through to where you are now an expert in the family office space what's the what was the transition if you can share that with the audience
1: yeah sure so um i think having worked, um, and done all of the foundation works in, in financial services, that gave me a really good pillar to, um, to sort of learn and know what had to be done under, under the, um, engine room. And from there, I, I left professional investment services, um, with a very good knowledge of um, the industry, but but not specifically in financial planning. So I left to become um, a, a financial planner, and I specialised in insurance only um, for quite a few years, which I absolutely love insurance, which is a bit weird, but I do. Um, good. Good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a it's a bit of an odd one. Um, but that really gave me a lot of the skill sets that I still use today um, in dealing with people and difficult conversations and protection and wealth and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that was probably the the biggest move and most of the skills that I still use today in family office space. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so from, I loved insurance so much, crazy, that I actually went and worked for an insurance company. Um in the the product and sales side for about five years following that.
0: And that was a national life insurance, was it? National life insurance company?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the largest in Australia. So it was a big, big deal. Um, deal, Yeah. yeah. And what did you learn there?
0: What did you learn there?
1: Look, I think um, it's one thing to sell a product, but to understand how an insurance product is made and the ins and outs and how people actually make claims on it is a it's a totally different um, ball game. So, I learned a lot of resilience in that job. Um, I went through a lot of pain in seeing what other people had to go through: financial planners, product providers, people on claim, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, and I think taking away from that, it, as much as I loved the job and mm-hmm. um, it was exciting, and I did add a lot of value. It didn't sit with my core values, which was to help the end customer. Um, I was sort of at a, in that middleman role, if you like. So I left there um, after sort of five years and went back to financial planning um, in a retiree firm, of all things, um, to What's really insurance? gain a... Yeah. <laughs> well, insurance doesn't normally go with retirees, but no, yeah, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's
0: okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So I brought new clients into that firm uh, while also actually working out ways and strategies to help retirees with their wealth um, and certainly their health um, in terms of insurance and what they did and didn't have.
0: So let's join the dots. Join the dots for me here if you can. So we've got insurance that you love. It lights the fire in your belly. You're passionate about it. You've got some very good knowledge of how it's, if you will, in inverted commas, manufactured how it's come together, distributed, sold, why it's there, um, what the requirements of customers are as a financial planner. Take me through and join the dots from that to sitting with your family office clients and what value that brings or doesn't bring or what difference it makes to your relationship with your family office clients.
1: Yeah, sure. So... In the family office space, um, it, there's no stone that doesn't get, um, you know, overturned. We look at everything and we explore e- each option that we need to to achieve the family's goals. Um, and a lot of those, um, a lot of those experience and skills are built in the financial planning space, and particularly in insurance, because whilst people may not have wealth, um, they will have insurance. Um, and while they're building their wealth and they're becoming wealthier or they're accumulating businesses or assets or family and children, um, insurance becomes incredibly important. So um, before we, my rule has always been before you do anything is to make sure you are protected. And one of those protection mechanisms is insurance and the other one is legal, so governance type documents. Um, so that experience really brings the um, those base fundamental things that have to be done with every family office um before we go on and do anything else Um, and i think with a a lot of a lot of my family offices getting each party on the same page um has been tricky and my experience in that sort of wealth and insurance side has, has certainly helped to be able to have those open discussions around you know what the young son or the young daughter may need versus what mum and dad need
0: my my experience in the financial planning world is it is almost impossible to have young bulletproof millennials needing or walking in the door to acquire insurance from either a necessity either from an arrogance from an ignorance or from an affordability perspective yeah sure so I'm curious to explore in your family office situation, mm-hmm. does that change or can you have an impact um, through education and your background in discussions? And, and and if so, does it improve the conversion of those that demographic receiving insurance that they may not have received for the reasons I outlined?
1: Oh, 100%, absolutely. Um, And the reason is uh, I'm not dealing with just the young son or the young millennial or young daughter um, or someone who is opposed to insurance, so they're not always young. Uh, I'm dealing with an entire family of people who all will have um, their own view and that's okay. We hear all of those views in in the family office world. But overarching that, having a, a goal or, or a, necessi- a necessity tied to why that person may need insurance, um, that is the reason that we get them across the line. So I don't do the insurance myself anymore. Um, I, I give it to some pretty cool financial planners to go and do, but it always gets done. And the reason it gets done is because we've tied it to an overarching goal. We've got the emotional assistance of mum and dad in the room saying, yeah, but you know, we would like to have you protected. I even sometimes have mum and dads pay for that insurance because it's so important.
0: That seems to to make sense.
1: Absolutely. Would
0: would would I be would I be right in saying some of your clients ultimately would prefer an insurance company to pay the proceeds in the event of their passing than they're out of their inheritance that they've created for what's important to them? Would that be fair? Absolutely.
1: Yep. Very fair. And they'd be
0: probably happy to pay for it given that given that example.
1: Yeah. And if I go back, um, if I go back a step, a family office is designed um, for people who want to impart knowledge to the younger generations. And by having these open discussions, the, the same conversation is had with um, superannuation, for example, or about wills and estate planning, or governance, or um, business development. It doesn't matter what the topic is; the same conversation is had, and we're imparting the why, the knowledge from mum and dad. And they're sitting there saying, yes, but if we need a million dollars because you can never work again and we need to help you, we don't want to take that out of the market. You know, if it happened actually today, the 12th of June 2020, you certainly wouldn't want to be going taking a million dollars out of, you know, your superannuation or your investment portfolio or your property portfolio even um, because it would be really bad timing, right? Um, So by teaching... And leading by example and showing um, the younger generations why they're wanting these things done mm-hmm. um, rather than telling them that they're going to do it and just expecting it to be done, it's a very big difference. And that's the key yeah. driver um, and the, the key thing that has made that um, successful in my mm-hmm. experience. You
0: mentioned earlier about um, voices. Yeah, I think you said uh, you get everyone gets to have their voice heard. You get to hear, I think you said that you get to hear those views, I think, was the word you used. Sure. Um, how? How? What is that sort of forum? Take me through. How is it that that people have their their views heard in a family office um, environment or, or situation?
1: Sure. A couple of ways. Um, the first one is uh, when you start a family office, we do a whole set of documents around. Um, we we don't do documents. We have a whole heap of conversations around what each member of that family office wants to achieve, how they want to achieve it, what their views are on um, life and everything really, Um, and how they're going going to act together as a family office moving forward. So, How that physically happens, if you can imagine a nice, I don't know, boardroom table or a kitchen table, um, and you have all of the people at that table, and that is the immediate family that are going to be um, representing the family office, Um, and they actually get time on an agenda where everybody else gets to shut up and listen and they get to speak. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. As simple as that, it's just a time (laughs) where everyone else can just be quiet because everybody else has their turn.
0: And can you, um, share, can you share with the audience, um, from my point of view, it's a rhetorical question, but our audience may not be aware. Um, is that captured in some type of format that then can be distributed to people dealing with that family office to give them a snapshot of what the values are for that family office?
1: Yeah, and that's what I was referring to when I said we create these documents. Oh, the documents, um, yes. Yeah, so I we take all of that, I take all of that, mm-hmm. and I do put that all. Uh, into what's called a charter, and that charter is specific to that family office. So, for example, I wanted to share with um, a lawyer or um, an investment banker or whoever um, what that family values and who they are. I've, I capture the core of that and what we're trying to achieve in that document so they can read it and they can decide whether or not that's something they're yeah, interested powerful. in working with. Yeah,
0: powerful, very powerful.
1: It is really cool. Yep.
0: So you've told us a bit about insurance and the journey and financial planning. What is, so what is it you like about family offices having them as clients? What is it you like about those clients?
1: Uh, um, that's easy. For me, it's about <laughs> having <laughs> – I like to talk if you can't tell. Um, it's about having really big conversations, big, colourful, sometimes really hard conversations, but they're big And they're not limited, Um, I think, having been in the the financial planning space. You really do have four walls that you need to stay within and that's it. Whether you want to have a conversation about something else or not, you just, you legislatively, you can't. So Mm -hmm. in the family office space, um, that is untapped. The the possibilities are untapped Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just about being able to um, have big conversations with them and then work through some solutions, which is really,
0: really cool. And I know before we went on air, we were, we were chatting uh, before we went on the podcast about
1: your um,
0: focus you place on legacy for mm. the family office. Can you talk to me about that? Talk to the audience about what the, how you weave that, what I imagine would be a very um, raw, um, bare topic with people who haven't been confronted with that, uh, mm. to, take to, to take to a table um, and have a discussion around legacy. Can you take me through what your what your experience is, what reactions you have from the people at the table and what that plays out to be?
1: Yeah, yeah, that, look, that's a really important one. And it's important because it's important to me um, that a family and a family office have an end goal in mind. And look, ultimately, none of us get out of here alive. Um, and whilst that is confronting, and it is confronting, Sure. that's a difficulty that you've sort of mentioned there. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody really wants to think about it, but I'm used to telling people they should think about dying in insurance, back to that, you know, those yes, things sure. we're thinking about. Yeah, I can um, see the
0: parallels with insurance that, to, to legacy, yeah.
1: And that's where that really comes from. And, you know, having been through my own pain and my own life experiences with this, and I live this on a daily basis, um, legacy really is about, getting them to think beyond death and beyond today to um, transfer skill sets and wealth and values to other people or um, it may be to a charity, it may be in the church environment. It, everybody's different, right? Now, how, but how, how
0: are skill sets transferred? You mentioned this transfer of skill sets. So can you give me an example of how... Um, you know, I'm sure our audience are hearing that and going, well, they're really nice words, Chloe. But how is it that you, what mechanism or what what vehicle or or what process do you go through to to enable those skills to be transferred? They're lovely words, but how does it actually play out?
1: Sure. So we um, and this is why I use the kitchen table as um, <laughs> the it's really like the pillar of the family office is a table, which sounds weird, but it's because. Right. We actually put the people around the table and have discussions. And you can't learn something unless you've either been taught it or you go through it. And Mm -hmm. often in business and families, you learn on the go because you do and there's no other way to learn. And we
0: make all the mistakes on the run, don't we? Yeah, and you go,
1: oh, gosh, I wish I had known that 10 years ago. I would have done it differently. Um, We've we've all been there. So my view is that um, I have enough expertise and I certainly have enough professionals around me who have all done that. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't get you don't need to continue to do those things so if you think Mm -hmm. of i don't know i'll just pick a a random a a farming um family whose own owns farms or um or crops or whatever um and if that family is trying to impart their skills on to the next generation sure they're going to go and teach them how to drive the tractor and they're going to treat teach them how to weed the crops and all those things this is no different except I give my families an opportunity to sit and discuss business matters openly and family matters openly um, so that they can A, all be heard and B, provide solutions. So they learn on the go through a series of meetings and then actually taking responsibility for stuff, you know, putting their hand up and saying, actually, dad, why don't you, you don't do that this month how about i do it and you can show me how to do
0: the books back so back to the earlier point about voices being heard and and opinions and views being heard that that's another example there of where that plays out in the example you've just given us
1: absolutely yeah so i put that on um you know the action items to be done and then i obviously follow up with them to make sure that um it went they did Mm -hmm. it and how it went and yeah So we we start to impart knowledge by um, listening to each other and then accepting some responsibility for what's going on in that family.
0: And do you find with your experience in family offices that the patriarch and or the matriarch um, permit or enable, I suppose is the right word, um, the people that are in their family office, whoever they may be, they may be stepchildren, they may be um, bloodline children, Um, Mm -hmm. do you find that they... Uh, sort of coach or put them in positions where they get to make decisions that they wouldn't have made in their own right had they have been a superannual industry superannuation client or a financial planning um, investment client. So do they? Do they? Um, I'm curious with your experience to find do those patriarchs and matriarchs um, enable people to get skills that you're talking about that they wouldn't necessarily get until a lot later in their
1: life? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah I can absolutely. See if that would play out. Yeah.
1: Otherwise, the they wouldn't difference? have a family office, would they? They'd just leave their children yes. in a industry super fund and go, oh, well, save yeah. up and hope you go well.
0: So, what about the difference between, you've, you know, you've had experience, you've been around high end financial planning, whatever that means to the audience, um, for their own, um, they can monitorise that, that phrase, high end financial planning, or private wealth clients. You've been around those in your career. Uh, what's the difference between? Um, dealing with those clients and dealing with a family office client
1: sure i think um the the relationship is different from the get-go um where you are there for you know as a financial planner you are there to take care of their money and their monetary goals and really guide them You can give Mm -hmm. them a document. They go off and they do whatever they want with that document. You may put Mm -hmm. things in place. You may not. Mm -hmm. You really are bound by those four walls I was talking about before. Um, And the key difference with the family office is it's not just about one person and it's not just about one product or a set of products. It's not about product at all. It Mm -hmm. is about taking the family from where they are to where it is that they're wanting to go Mm -hmm. in a way that can, A, transfer knowledge and skills um, and, B, also transfer the wealth while they are alive and not dead.
0: <laughs> mm, it's the intergenerational <laughs> transfer, yeah, okay.
1: Correct. And that, and that's really important once families understand the key benefits of that. Mm.
0: And payment. Let's talk about payment. I'm sure the audience are keen to say, well, that's all really nice. These people must have a lot of money. Um, from a cost perspective, um, is it your experience that the cost to a collective family, being a family office, is more or less than individually being um, those people making payments to those professionals? Yes. Okay. So that will be a bit I'm sure that would be a, um, a bit of a paradox where the perception is that to have a family mm. office you need to have a, someone needs to have a whole lot of money to pay the bill Mm. uh whereas what you're saying there is your experience is that that's not the case you the, the payments get made regardless but collectively they're higher than they would be if they're working synergistically towards yeah that yeah that's correct
1: laws. Yeah and look there's a few reasons for that. Um, the first one is when you're dealing in the family office space, I deal with all of the entities of that family, not just one or two mm-hmm. um, so uh, from a tax perspective and then you put in a good um, a good accountant, that can deal with every entity and make sure that for an entire family not just mum and dad now entire family that everything is being paid from the right entity and is as tax-deductible as possible you've got a lot of tax, yeah yeah, it's really tax effective um and it's uh you're getting thing done things done that otherwise wouldn't be done which can cost people a lot of money in the future
0: so therefore you would be typically only dealing with accountants in the family office space, if I'm hearing you rightly correctly there, uh, who do deal with management accounting as opposed to financial accounting.
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah. And that in itself must make it limited as to the amount of accountants that you would be able to work with um, mm-hmm. who operate in that management accounting space rather than the financial accounting space. So that, that prevents another rises another challenge for uh, people trying to find that accountant themselves and they don't know what they don't know do they obviously like all of us yeah
1: sure and you know not not many uh, there aren't many firms in uh queensland that do management accounting mm. um n- never mind they, they don't even advertise that they do it they don't um right okay you know so how are you going to find those people
0: sure Sure. Individually, it's a challenge. What advice would you give our audience, Chloe, if they're weighing up listening to the podcast saying, well, that's all, they're all nice words, they're uh, somewhat interested, you've you've got my curiosity going, Um, should I explore, do I do, what do I do? What advice would you give the audience uh, if they're weighing up whether to look at starting a family office or not?
1: I would tell them to really do their research. I'm a firm believer of dealing with like-minded people. Uh, I think you get better outcomes, which means I'm not going to be the right person for every family office I come across and, and those, you know, I've had those and I refer them on. Um, I would understand what your values are, do your research and make sure those values align to that company Um you know going beyond just looking at their website and asking some hard questions and having some difficult conversations with them i think um is almost a must uh, mm. and that's purely yeah, because nice. you know they aren't all easy conversations to have um and if they can't do that before they're a client they're certainly not going to do it after yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they sound like words of um heartfelt experience there i can yes.
1: feel, that, feel <laughs> that coming
0: through the microphone <laughs> Uh, your client the clients that you've got, the clients that you work with, um, can you share what happens with feedback from your clients? Is there a change or a shift from when you when you start dealing with your clients to down the track um, and if if there is a shift, what is that change?
1: Yeah, um there is a shift uh, and the main shift is in seeing things happen and not as you've said a few times to me yeah nice words you're right and it does go and it all starts somewhere right so the nice words are the trust that we build on um and when they start to see the things happen before them and they go wow you know that never would have happened before if we hadn't spent the last 13 months working on it x y and z um that's probably the biggest shift and that just the trust that comes from seeing the um the goals be met uh is probably um the biggest kick if you like um for them um and also knowing i talk a lot about you don't know until you know yeah yes. until you truly yes. know something you Anything don't know you same. can yes you can talk about it but you don't yes. know yes um and that's the second shift that i see is i see the light bulb go on in people and they go oh now i get it Oh, okay. Now I know that I'm safe because we've done X, Y, and Z. Um, Or uh, you know, my um, niece is now secure because I know that she is, rather than hoping she was.
0: Um, What do you say? What do you say to the people um, who I'm sure say to you regularly? uh, And and maybe, Dana. Maybe I'm totally wrong here. So, correct. Please pull me up if I'm if I'm off track. but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you would hear regularly from people saying, Chloe, look, we do that ourselves anyway. Why, why a family office? We, we have an accountant and we have a financial planner and we have a lawyer. Um, I don't quite understand. We do this ourselves. Why would we want to spend time or pay um, somebody to do the stuff that we already do ourselves? How, do you, how sure. do you deal with that if that's what is said? And I'm sure that is what is said to it you. It
1: is. Yeah, it's said. I get that one quite a lot. Um, mm. And it's really simple. You do it yourself. Um, you're having the same conversation with three, four, five, ten 10 different providers, mm-hmm. um, you can't tell me that stuff doesn't get missed and those providers aren't coming to you. So, for example, if I've got an accountant and a lawyer talking about lending facilities for a company yes. and, you know, banks can't lend and they won't do this and they won't do that, but we're, we're trying to expand and we're trying to grow or whatever we're trying to do mm-hmm. and I can get an outcome by putting a lawyer and an accountant together with, Uh, an open conversation you can't do that alone it's not possible Um, isn't that
0: what what those very people would say they do with their financial planner or their accountant
1: now yes but they aren't communicating so the financial planner is not communicating to the lawyer or the accountant the client is doing the runaround so they'll talk to the financial planner and Uh, then they'll go talk to the lawyer and then they'll go talk to the accountant then they hope that they've got it all right and they've got the message right and like okay right I think I've written it all down I've conveyed the messages accurately so uh, um in my experience pain comes from that Mm -hmm. that way of doing business and doing things um by putting people together who will speak openly and collaborate together I talk a lot Mm -hmm. about collaboration um for the betterment of that client Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen in any other model that I've seen or experienced other than a family office. And that's where the gold is. That leads
0: me to a question, my last question, I I think, uh, that I've been thinking about as you've been talking to a few of the points. In your career, so back to junior burger days, right through to family office expert, have you come across a similar offering to family offices?
1: No. (laughs) No, I haven't.
0: Well, that's a short, easy answer.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, that's probably not setting the world on fire. But no, no, I haven't no hence why i moved into this space um as quickly as i possibly could yeah
0: yeah oh it has been an absolute honor to have co-hosted with you today thanks for being on the podcast family office podcast with lance michael um thanks for sharing your insights your experience you've been candid which i appreciate and value and that's the people i like to have on the show and you've certainly shared that experience with you with our uh, with our audience thank you very much for your time today.
1: No problem. My pleasure. Thanks, Lance.
0: Bye-bye. If you want my help in any way, shape or form, go to genmfo.com, that's G-E-N-M-F-O dot and interact. Please share this episode with anyone you care about so they, like you, can have a pathway to wealth, health and a legacy. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and or your favourite podcast app and subscribe to not miss out on my latest episodes. Until my next episode, remember... If a pathway to wealth, health and legacy is what you seek,
1: generational is where you start. Thanks for listening.